I'm Kim. I'm Megs. Welcome to the Atwoods End Podcast. <laughs> We're recording. <laughs> no, it's not the same. <laughs> Why are we here? What have I done? Who am I? <laughs> Who am I? Like, it's so obviously not. <laughs> You're just uneducated. It's not that bad. I don't know, is that even a word? Hi everyone, welcome to the At Wits End podcast. I'm Megs. And I'm Kim, and this is At World's End Solo. I don't know if it's just because we haven't traveled in so long, or because it's starting to just feel like we're finally able to actually plan on going somewhere sometime soon, but I'm so excited for this week's episode. We're going to be getting into everything solo travel. Basically, we're covering, you know, the who, what, where, when, why, funny, scary, embarrassing, everything that comes from, you know, the solo travel experience. And we've both been really fortunate that we've been able to go on solo trips because I feel like not everybody, it's not in season for everybody to be able to go, right? I feel like it's a very Mm -hmm. specific part of your life where you get to go on this like kind of solo trip. But first things first, do you, you know, how vital is a solo trip? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely think it is. Kind of you said, I think that comes from a really privileged position to be able to say that because like, obviously, there are people that aren't able to do trips like that. Or, you know, whether that's because they're in a different stage of life, or I, you know, I've met people that are just like that idea is terrifying to them. And they're like, I would never want to do that. But I do think there's something very different about traveling alone that you just won't ever really get from traveling with somebody else or in a group setting, even if it's like, I'm going by myself, but I'm going with those tour groups. It's just not the same thing. Yeah. You don't get many other opportunities in life to totally just be on your own and experience things without an obligation to anyone else. As cliche as it sounds, I think you really learn a lot about yourself and kind of become more self-assured about what you want when you're traveling alone. I personally felt the most myself I think I've ever felt during the times that I've been traveling solo and it's an experience I wish everyone could have. But I don't know. What about you? Yeah. Like I, it's just, it's just you. You know, and there's nothing to stop you, nothing to shield you. For me, it was really, you know, time to be creative. And I think it can be really hard, not even from the aspect of figuring out logistics or being in countries where, like, you don't speak the language, but just being with yourself. Like, I think that's a a very terrifying thing sometimes. And there's a lot of people that will, will do anything to not be alone. And maybe this is going to be a really good episode for a lot of people as we're kind of moving out of the pandemic like from the point of view of you probably were alone in a very different way than you have been in other times of your life and I think that's why like solo travel it can be a challenge because it's just you don't have to impress anybody you don't have to do anything with anybody else's schedule but it's just you yourself and I and (laughs) what does that do and it does a lot for you and like why did you even go on your your first solo trip? I think for a couple reasons, and I guess like the biggest reason is that I really just hadn't seen very much of the world. A close friend of mine had done this program in Prague teaching English and that kind of like inspired me to take a similar step. You know, it was comforting to know that she 
had had a really good experience and the idea of doing it with a job in mind made it a little less scary to go by myself. Which is funny because I was like, time to blow my money. (laughs) Yeah, and like at the time, it wasn't even the financial aspect. It was more just like it gave me a purpose and I felt like, okay, well, here's a way that I obviously going to meet people because I'm going with this purpose in mind. Right. And that helped me a lot. But I think another big reason that I may not totally have been like aware of at the time was just really needing like a break from the current day-to-day of what that point in my life was like. Yeah what were you doing at that time? was a bit of a fishbowl at times compared to a lot of other Canadian universities it was quite small and within that smaller university there was also a lot of volunteerism was really popular and so there was this bit of a fishbowl effect that it created And just after four years of undergrad, and then I worked full-time at the school for a year, as much as I loved that period of time, I was just ready to be like, goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye, everything I have known. Yeah, like, I was just so ready for something totally different that I almost feel like there was a little bit of me just, like, running away, in a sense. But I don't think I was conscious of that until after I had left that I really just, like, wanted not be a part of, like, the same old, same old anymore. Right, right. What about you? I mean, I'm, I'm trying, I was really trying to think back at how this had even started. I remember that summer I got a job at African Lion Safari, and... As far as, like, a job goes, not many people can say that, you know, yeah, hang out with giraffes all day. Like, how about you? (laughs) You (laughs) And and it really gave me this, like, taste for something else. And similar to yours, but almost, I was almost, like, afraid of what was going to happen after, because we had just graduated. And I was like, what's, what's next? And somehow it just felt like this like logical progression to just go while I could. And I remember my mom asking me that summer, you know, I went for like maybe just under three months. And I remember my mom asking me, you know, are, are you sure you want to do this right now? And I remember being like, if I don't do this now, I don't know when I'll do it. And I think that things get complicated and whether or not I'll be able to totally. leave just by myself, just just me. And I literally, it was like a calling. I was like, you know what? And it grew and I was almost afraid to think about doing it. But I w- And there was one side of me that's like, nope, we're doing it. We're going. Here we go. Solo. Here we go. And then that was, yeah, yeah that was really, it was just, it was literally like, I was like, I need to go. I don't know if I was like, oh, it was a little bit to like, just, just keep mixing it up. Maybe to stay so busy that I wouldn't take a look at my life and be like, okay, <laughs> post-university meltdown. Instead, yeah. I was like, something sangria. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a bit of, it's a bit of both, but it is totally that feeling that like you don't, it becomes a it just becomes harder and harder the older you get to do that because you do have more ties and more responsibilities. And there's kind of this like perfect limbo period where you're done university or maybe you're between degrees. And I feel like that's, that is why most people do that kind of solo travel experience then. And I I mean, in my position, I was fortunate that I had a job that set me up with a one-year contract where like I had a specific end date. It wasn't something that was possible to renew. Like the job was done. Right, right. And I got that one year of work experience. I was able to save a little bit. I also had that concrete end date. I feel like it's a lot harder for anyone who steps into a job right after university. You know, that involves quitting your job. Like that's a really big 
Yeah, because how else can you get that time off? And you know what? Now that we're kind of thinking about it, I'm throwing myself back in time <laughs> to see where oh I, or, what I was doing back, back then. to time traveling. But you know what? And, I, and it just kind of came to me. And this is like super cheese, but it's fine. You know, what's that nasty orange cheese? It's it's very it's very cheddar? whizzy. No cheese whiz. <laughs> oh, I was like, don't insult cheddar cheese like that. Teal's gonna have a fit when he hears that you think cheddar cheese is that nasty cheese. Well, you said orange, and I was like, it's either that or it's like queso. No, like like like, like uh, you know, in the jar, cheese whiz. Like it's very whizzy. Yeah, yeah. This okay, comment. Yes. No, like chemical cheese. Yes, chemical cheese. Yeah. But I had ended a relationship in the winter before I even thought to go. Before I even started working at African Lion Safari. I feel like I lost myself a little bit and then it was literally like okay I just who who am I without anybody else's not interference but without any anything else can I go and come back and what's gonna kind of stay in my mind it was also like all the kind of extra stuff that's not really me that should get shaken off when life shakes you up and then (laughs) come back and it'd be me yeah that's Taylor Swift said you'd like to be your old self again but you're still trying to find it yeah okay here we go (laughs) well you said shake it off and that kind of spurred it okay so where did you go like did you have a favorite stop amongst your journey Ooh. okay so it was like a world trip I like not only did I do a solo trip but it was literally I went around the entire globe via plane I started off in Iceland and then to England then to France, Italy, Poland, Prague, Belgium, and then I flew down to Asia to visit a good friend of mine, which I wonder, now thinking back, I hope she invited me because she was living there and I was like, (laughs) hey, I'd love to come visit. And then I was coming to visit. (laughs) So Emma, if you're listening to this, thanks for uh, hosting me in South Korea. I stayed there for, I think, it's like 10 days. And then through China and then LA and then back home again. And I remember feeling like such a boob on the plane when I was like on on the phone with my mom. I just landed. I was like, oh, yeah, the flight from China. It was good. But then we had the layover in L.A. and this and that. And (laughs) but out of all those places, I I love South Korea. I loved Iceland. Those were really to, to start the trip and kind of end the trip. Being in Europe, I'm familiar with Europe, but Iceland felt a little bit different and mm-hmm. then South Korea was just hit me with one of those bullet trains because I just was not ready for that and it was just such right, a like so much more of a culture shock yeah but it was, it was amazing but okay what about yeah. you where did you go I was away for six months in total and I spent about half that time in Prague which is like in the Czech Republic obviously for anybody who doesn't know that and <laughs> I feel like, like you're shaming everybody if you didn't if know you that didn't know that no I didn't mean it to sound like that I thought I'd clarify <laughs> it, during that time I did some small trips to Austria in Germany and then the other half of that six months I spent in Croatia, Serbia, Bosnia, and England for a couple of weeks on my way home. I have a special place in my heart for Prague because I met some really incredible people there and I just like had almost the best summer and I think that kind of makes that like a little bit of a sentimental place for me but I think my favorite place I've ever visited Mm -hmm. period is Bosnia because it was just such a beautiful country and just like the people there I in any country I've ever visited I haven't met like kinder people than the people that I met in Bosnia are you a Bosnian Bosniak I think Bosniak oh cool 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 I didn't know that I think but oh no Bosniak is the is the masculine and the feminine is uh Bosanka Bosanka oh yeah Bosniaks are generally defined as South Slavic nation or territory of Yugoslavia okay what was the most embarrassing moment 
of your trip because I have a lot. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, you know, this is, I think the other thing about solo travel that's really good is that you're bound to have about, you know, nine or ten moments and nobody you know really sees it, but you have to live with your own embarrassment and it's just a lot. Okay, so probably the most embarrassing (laughs) is I am in France. I really had to fucking pee. And we were like, you know, that time when they're, you, you, you know, you're going to be landing soon. The seatbelt signs are going to come. And I was like, oh, should I do it? Should I do it? N- always go pee, everybody. Always just fucking go pee. Never not go pee. If you ever feel like just go pee. OK, I did not go pee. We landed. OK, and I was so tired because my flights were crazy and it was just it was just a wild ride. I'm overtired. I really have to pee. And apparently that's enough to make me a fucking moron. What did I do? I got off the plane and I traveled with like a really large backpack. And most of the time I could get away with putting it as like carry on. They're like, no. And so then they made me freaking check it. And I was like, whatever, that's fine. I walk through the airport. I walk out the doors. I'm about to walk out of the airport when I realize I don't have my backpack. Oh my god, what do I do? I still have to pee. So I literally was like, uh, uh, do I pee or do I try to get my backpack, right? Because I walked out of those doors and I walked out and then was like, no, and the doors were closing. You cannot get in there. You will literally get arrested if they see you trying to make your way back into that. Then I, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go pee. I go pee and then there's no help anywhere. No one to be like, ah, oh, help me. There's a phone on the wall and it says, help? Question mark. I'm like, uh, hello, <laughs> you know, and it's somebody who does not speak English, and they're like, hello, and I'm like, I, I, I walked out, I don't have my backpack, and it's my backpack, half like crying because I'm like, I'm gonna get in so much. Realistically, if I wasn't so overtired, I think I would have calmly been able to, okay. And so then the guy starts laughing, and he's like, okay, right, and then he's like go back to that door right so I go back to that door and four security guards came to get me they walked me to the claim and here I am like I don't look like rich so everyone's probably like what the fuck who is this person they're like all around me and I'm just like you know like walking along walking along and I was like it's that one he picks it up he looks at it he hands it to me and I made it to France everybody so that's probably my my most embarrassing (laughs) what's yours um okay well honestly I thought when I was trying to prep notes for this, I thought of so many, but 99% of them I will not be sharing publicly. So if you'd like to know some of my other ones after we're done recording, then I'll let you know. But basically, also, my story involves peeing, incidentally enough. Um, when I left- which, which, by the way, we don't know each other's stories when we're... We have, like, skeletons for the podcast, but everything is... You know, so how did that happen? How did that happen? Yeah, I know. It's so funny. You you started telling us, like, I have the perfect tie into this. (laughs) Um, When I left Prague for good, I moved to Zagreb, which, for anyone who doesn't know, is in in inland Croatia. And I was basically, like, living and volunteering in a hostel there for a few months. And my flight was pretty late at night from Prague, similar to yours. I don't think I actually arrived until around 2 in the morning to the hostel. Mm Mm-hmm. And I checked in and, like, went and dropped my stuff off in the dorm I was staying in. And I headed to the bathroom just to, you know, get ready for bed, brush my teeth, that kind of stuff. 
and when I went to the bathroom, I got locked in. Um, <laughs> so, like, I guess the door was kind of finicky, and it would get stuck sometimes, but obviously because I showed up in the middle of the night, there was no one to, like, warn <gasps> me that the door was kind of funny. So I just remember standing there being, this is it. Like, I'm literally in this room until tomorrow morning because nobody's going to find me at 2 in the morning. This is terrible. I'm, like, mildly panicking, and I'm just in this bathroom. At least I have fresh and water. Like, yeah, well, no, because it was just, the, it was just, like, the toilet was in like a room that like had like not a stall oh no and it was locked and then the sinks and the showers and everything were outside in a more like communal area and luckily the bathroom wall backed onto the dorm where all the volunteers were staying like it backed onto the same dorm so this there was this one other girl from Canada who was also staying there at the time and I guess through the wall she heard the door handle rattling and she knew I guess they the other volunteers knew that someone new was coming right and was coming in the night and so she just like woke up with this epiphany that oh my god this girl stuck in the bathroom oh, thank god and came and saved me hindsight it like broke the ice and it, we were like, all, like laughing about it and we became really great friends kind of from that moment onward but I remember being stuck in there and just being mortified <laughs> that I was gonna be found in the bathroom the next day <laughs> your sleeping accommodations could be better I think <laughs> oh my god yeah it was it was bad I remember being terrified okay so that's not real terrified do you have a scariest moment Mm, yes so okay there's a few things that I feel past Mm -hmm. it I look back and I'm like what was I doing like that was so dumb or what I was very trusting but this one moment in particular stands out because I remember being in the moment being terrified when I was in Sarajevo they hosted the Olympics back I think in the 80s okay and so they have this old Olympic bobsled track that's up in the mountains it's pretty run down now but it's filled with really cool graffiti and it's not like a big tourist spot but it's relatively like popular like if you google things to do in Sarajevo the bobsled track does like pop up as like something you can go and see what do you do though like you just go to just walk you can walk on it oh cool cool, cool. and stuff i don't know it's just it's really just cement basically up in like the mountains and you can see the whole city from it i had met these this group of guys from alberta at my hostel super nice guys at a rental car and we had kind of like done like a walking tour together that day so we were friends and um, we did one after, walking tour and now we're best buds yeah yeah when we had lunch together we were like i was still in touch with some of them they're really nice guys so one afternoon they were like we have a rental car like we're gonna do you want to drive up the mountain with us and see the bobsled track and i was like yeah it's like, cool like i don't have anything to do little did i know that the roads were like right on the edge of mm. the mountain oh it's like Corsica. so driving up and down i was just like constantly afraid that we were going to drive straight off the edge and then at this one point we hit like a particularly steep part and i don't totally know that it was supposed meant for like cars to drive up but we weren't catching traction because it was also like a manual <laughs> transmission and we started rolling backwards <laughs> And I genuinely think I had a heart attack. Like, I, I literally got out of the car and I said, you guys fix this. I'm not looking. I will get back in this vehicle when it is, like, grounded on a normal road again. And I literally, like, went and walked away because I was like, if this rolls off the hill, I don't want to see it. Oh, happen. my God. And they were fine. They're like, it's no big deal. They they got it down. It was fine. But they, we I ended up pulling 
my hat down over my head on the way back so that I couldn't see where we were going. But I remember them making a joke and being, pull your hat down over your eyes. And the, the guy who was driving was like, okay, but I don't think that's going to help. And I'm like, this is not the time for jokes. <laughs> Hindsight, I can laugh about it. And Bob track was really cool, but that was definitely, I like, flashed before my eyes a couple times that, <laughs> that, that drive. But like, what about you? Well, well, did you have a particularly scary moment? I feel like mine's not going to be as funny. Well, it, it was kind of funny, but... <laughs> okay, so I too had made friends with somebody that I met on the beach, which is like also, I don't know if that's something you need to... You don't need to be young to solo travel, but it helps because you're not as like, danger, 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 even though you probably should be. But I had met a, a really yeah. nice Swedish guy on beach and very interesting. I'd never hung out with somebody from Sweden before. The rest of Europe, like I know what Eastern Europeans are like and Western Europe because I've hung out there a lot, but never Northern Europe. So that was really interesting just to kind of vibe with somebody from Sweden. Anyway, so he was like, oh, let's go get some tapas. And there was like this this really amazing, I think this was, oh, I, I forgot. I was also in Spain. How did I freaking forget Spain? Yeah, that's why I was so tired. Ha, ha, ha. The, the P French story. Okay, it wasn't I was coming from England. I was coming from, from Barcelona. And I was still drinking on the plane. Like, just it never ended. Yeah, so, the, so I'm in Spain at this point. And we're in Barcelona. We go for tapas. And I think the coolest restaurants that I that I went to were, were because I met somebody kind of randomly. And they were like, do you want to eat? And I was like, my love language we went to this really amazing restaurant and we were just trying everything. And I'm like, I'm pretty adventurous with food, but um, Jonas, who I was with, was like, hey, have you tried sea urchin? And I was like, why the hell not? Let's do it. They look disgusting and I can't imagine anything being good there, but sure. Okay. We literally tried like everything off the menu was so good, delicious. Next morning, I'm meeting my friend who was like leaving. I had also met her a couple of days beforehand. We said our goodbyes and then I'm hanging out on the beach and I buy myself a chair and I'm just enjoying mm-hmm. myself and my like leg is itchy. And so I scratch my leg. And then five minutes later, it's still itchy. I was like, oh my God, these sand fleas. I look down and from the inside, the very top of my thigh, my entire legs are covered in hives. Oh my god. I didn't even realize it was like the scariest. I looked like a cow of red and white hives. The panic just set in and I was like, holy shit. Yeah, no kidding. That's horrifying. I'm on the beach. I'm literally a half an hour subway ride from my hostel. I do not speak Spanish nothing even resembling Spanish and so then like the panic hits and I'm like okay and so my sisters have pretty pretty nasty allergies I just kind of have an allergy to chocolate and that's only if I like muck it up then I'll have a little bit of hives or I'll have like trouble sleeping but no this was and I just remember my you know the the Kesha song die young (laughs) which I've recently brought back into my playlist was a big fan so there's a I hear your heartbeat to the beat of the drum and then it goes boom boom that was my heart just non-stop just so hard and loud and I was like hey what do I do and so then I was like, I need an antihistamine immediately. Get myself to a pharmacy. And I and I run in and it's like this very nice lady. You know, her name was Maria. And it, that was just, just very nice. Mar- you know, I was like, Maria, <laughs> a little name tag. And I'm trying to explain. I was like, num, 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 num. Ah, 
ah, itchy, itchy, itchy. And, and then she's like looking at me like I'm, you know, been doing narcotics for a week. And I'm like pointing at my legs, you know, and she's just like, ah, right. And she goes, she gets me something. I buy it. And then I'm like, okay, I have no idea what I bought. But at this time, I was like closer to the hostel. I get in the hostel. I'm like, who can read Spanish? And so then there's this really nice school teacher from England. He's like, I can't. And so then he literally is like trying to read this as fast as possible. But his Spanish is like, you know, my my Croatian, you know, not really whatever. And so then he's like reading it, reading it. And he's like, are you pregnant? And I was like, no. Right. And then he's like, keeps reading, keeps reading. Are you breastfeeding? I was like, no. And he's like, yeah, you should be you should be fine. I was like, I had alcohol like this morning practically. Right. And he's like, nah, I should be fine. Whatever. I take it. Thank God it cleared up. And I think I'm allergic to sea urchins. I was like, I don't want to go to Spanish hospital. I don't have it in me. <laughs> oh well, also, the fact that it happened the next day is crazy. Well, I mean, sometimes heat is what is yeah. required to burst an allergic reaction. It could have already been itchy and I just didn't tell because I was wearing like kind of flowy pants. Right. But yeah, that was... Oh that really I scary. I wish I knew. I think I'm allergic to sea urchins, which I don't even know if that's worth testing, but I just kind of stay away because that was the only thing that I completely didn't recognize that night that we ate. And then everything else yeah. after that fact was like pretty normal. I feel like that's not an uncommon allergy too. That I feel there are people that eat you know, shellfish and things like mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. like are pretty common allergies. Yeah. Peanuts. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. 100%. Okay, so what is... I wish I knew I was potentially allergic to sea urchins. <laughs> what is something that you wish you knew at the beginning of your trip? Honestly, I'm actually pretty grateful that I learned a lot on the fly. I think if I had thought things through much more than I did before leaving or like tried to make a more concrete plan before I left, I would have actually potentially left myself more stressed. But like genuinely, I think traveling alone and without having that strict itinerary taught me a lot about being flexible and just adapting to whatever the happened in the moment. Right. Initially, my intention was to stay in the Czech Republic for six months, if not longer. Like if I really liked it there, there was an intention to potentially come home at Christmas and go back and kind of just bounce around and do smaller trips you know weekends weeks away and use Prague as my home base I suppose in hindsight I wish I had known how challenging a visa process can actually be right it's a disaster um, sometimes how, yeah and how different it what it can be in different countries because I personally I went into it pretty naively I you know I didn't know that I would have to leave the country to get it stamped and I didn't know you know how slow it would be and right. like I dealt with a lot of really unhelpful visa agencies people might answering my emails as my time you know started was running away. out yeah but at the same time i would have had a totally different trip if that visa had worked out and honestly not only would i have not seen half of those countries like i would never have left for croatia but i also wouldn't have started freelancing and that's my career today had i had a visa and actually taught english i wouldn't have had the summer job that i had when i was there i you know i wouldn't have started freelancing kind right. of to supplement my income and if i hadn't started freelancing then I don't know that it would have spiraled into like what is my full-time job and has been basically Aww. since I traveled. There it is. I, I love that. Yeah. I wish I hadn't someone had warned me that like visas are complicated. Also, I have no regrets about how that trip panned out and I'm actually quite grateful that I was forced to leave. Right. And to do yeah. that, yeah. Okay, question for you. What was your biggest laugh out loud moment? I think there's a lot especially now looking back like if you asked me when I came home from the trip I would have been like nothing it was smooth sailing it was wonderful nothing funny happened to me but now that I think back on it yeah there's there's a lot and it's just like tied into just a lot of 
funny moments for me, I think, stemmed from language barriers. I think my funniest moment, laugh out loud, happened in Belgium. Belgium. Why can't I say Belgium? (laughs) (laughs) Happened in Belgium. And I was there. I I was there twice on that trip, I think, because the first time I was like there and then the second time was on a layover. Anyways, and so I had a really long layover. So I was like, you know what? I need a haircut. I'm going to go to town. I'm going to go get a haircut. So I packed up my stuff at the airport and I was like, there should be no stigma about getting a haircut outside of your own barber in your own country where you can speak the same language. But I get it now. I do. I find a really like high rated hair salon. I go in and nobody speaks English. They speak French, which I could not speak. And I was okay, Polish. I can I can get by in Italian, English. And they I don't need, I don't know if they just played dumb but it was just like nothing and I was like okay okay cool cool cool. so I was like okay this is what I want and I showed some pictures and they were like looking at it they're smiling you know and I don't know if I'm getting through I'm like trying to show with my fingers side that with pictures and like you gesturing with your hands okay clear enough indication of what kind of haircut you want so so this is the side story my parents honeymooned in Portugal and my dad too wanted to get a haircut when he was in Portugal and he went to the barber. He showed the barber with his forefinger and his thumb, like uh, he wants one inch off the top. And everybody's smiling, everybody's nodding their heads. And the barber, instead of understanding one inch off the top, understood only one inch left. And he buzzed my dad's head and my mom fell off her chair laughing. (laughs) And so I have this and, and, you know, while I'm asking for my haircut, I was like, see, like this idiot didn't bring pictures. That's why he got buzzed. And and so I, I sit down. I was like, I brought pictures. I was very precise. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's nodding. And the hairdresser comes, you know, they give me a little cappuccino, everything. So what does this hairdresser do? But he takes out the clippers and he holds them up to my head and goes, ha, 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 ha. And I was like, ah. Oh, my God. I was like, how is that? You know, and then we all laughed so hard because I was just so afraid having that story in my mind. Yeah, but so they were and everybody was just laughing so hard. I I kind of laughed, but I was like, that was really traumatic, monsieur. And and I, I didn't need that, but it's I can laugh about it. It was pretty fucking funny. Oh my god, that is that is funny. <laughs> okay, tell me yours. Okay, so when I was living in Zagreb, like volunteering at the hostel, because like I was there for like a couple months, so you start noticing repeat people. You know, people will come back, people will stay for a really long time. Like you just start like noticing things a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And anyways, there was this this older gentleman. I'm gonna say he was like from. I think he was from Croatia but like not from the city so I don't know if he was just kind of like there on business and just sticking around but he was probably I'm gonna say like in his 60s not didn't speak a word of English was just (laughs) always around and one night it was probably like midnight ish and I was sitting in like the kitchen common room area with this guy from Australia this American guy and uh, a girl from the UK Mm -hmm. and we were just like talking and like one of them had a guitar and they were playing their guitar and this this older gentleman comes in and he's just gesturing to the guitar and super excited we're like I don't don't totally understand what you're saying and he whips out a trumpet And keep in mind, what? it's the middle of it's the middle of the night in a hostel, and just starts blasting it <gasps> on the trumpet. And I'm like, oh my god, you need to stop! <laughs> like it is so how do you, loud. How do you 
Pantera trumpet away from an old man. <laughs> and, well, and so he he kind of gets it after he sees the look on our faces. He's like, oh my god, you're so loud. And so he goes, wait, wait, wait. He runs back to his like music case that he just has with him and puts his trumpet away and pulls out a recorder <laughs> and and then proceeds to play the entirety of Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. <laughs> And I have like I have a video recording of it and you can hear me just like snorting in the background because I'm trying so hard not to laugh, but he is so serious in his like performance for us and it just it just went on and on and on and like <laughs> Do you clap or like what do you do at the end I don't of it? Oh everyone was just confused. It was very funny. I feel like we need to see a snippet of that. I don't think I've ever I'll seen try, that. That's I'll hilarious. Try, yeah, I'll find it. I'll send it to you. <laughs> I can just imagine the look on your face being like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, I was like, I cannot believe this is happening. <laughs> okay, so solo traveling. What are your essentials? A journal. I think that's definitely been, like most grateful for because I treasure those journals it, more than any journal now, even just like in my day-to-day life. But like it's... I kept a lot of keepsakes, random receipts of crisp flowers and stuff in those travel journals. And even today, I love flipping through them and remembering little moments. And yeah. I remember there's like one night in particular, I was having dinner by myself at this restaurant, just on like on a patio in Bosnia. And the waiter came up to me and he was, what are you writing about? I like told him and he was like, wait one second. And he left. And 30 minutes later, he comes back to me at my table and he had drawn the town's bridge and mountains on the back of a receipt, <gasps> like this really beautiful little sketch. And he was like, for your journal, like this oh. is for your journal. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And oh, he like, me came back with a map and he's, these are like cool places to like go to bars and stuff like that. He was like, really nice. And that kind of stuff means a lot to me. Oh, that's um, a good one. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Question for you. What was the hardest part about traveling on your own? I was afraid I think that was hard I don't know what I was afraid of or who I was afraid yeah. of I was just afraid I feel like that's a, that's a valid feeling yeah so that was hard I think leaving was the hardest I always have this moment of panic before I tra- like I love traveling I love you know going places but I have this moment of panic where I'm like I literally say like this is too hard I don't want to do this and for that trip I was going to be gone for so long and I was like this this is hard I had I had already met my now husband a couple months before that but I had already booked this trip so we had spent like a summer together and then I was like see you later I'm going away for three months (laughs) yeah and that was like that was really hard because I I didn't know like hell was I gonna cancel it for a boy absolutely no no but yeah I was just afraid I was afraid of getting lost or or being ridiculous or never watched Taken, never will watch Taken. Just the premise, though, was in my head a little bit, you know, more. I don't know why they ever made that movie. It's like they hate France and therefore want to destroy solo travel or girlfriend travel. But I think that for me was probably the, the hardest thing, just being away, being by myself and just this. It's up to me. And yeah. I think that can it's like be like the best and worst feeling. Yeah. And that fear was there. That was a very palpable, real fear. You know, also when I was in China and they're asking me for my green card to get into the U.S. And I was 
so tired i was like huh it's like did i fuck something up did i fuck up a visa do i have to have a visa to move through china to the u.s what's going on and i literally just was not understanding somebody else literally had to come and talk to her and to me and they're like no you're canadian like you don't need a green card and i was like that's what i fucking thought but she was asking me so like i don't i don't know i don't know and like yeah it's like the fear of the fear of getting lost or of not being okay or not being able to find my way back and okay what what about you yeah, I think generally the same, like being away from friends and family for a really long time is is obviously tough on most people. And like, I don't think I predicted that that would become like a reoccurring trend, like especially with Prague, because I had spent, you know, months there, I'd kind of made my own little family. And right. I didn't really predict that besides the initial like leaving Canada hard part, I would have more hard goodbyes ahead of me. And like, that was definitely really tough. Interesting. Yeah. And like, similar to your sea urchin story i think language barriers are all fun and games until you need somebody to be able to understand what you're saying and then it's not so fun anymore so like i definitely had some experiences where like that (laughs) was hard yeah um and like it it just generally google translate does not do a good job of translating labels (laughs) so i definitely bought some things at the grocery store i was not supposed to um (laughs) do you feel like your trip changed you at all what was your biggest takeaway yeah, I think it, it did what I hoped it would do, that when I came back, a lot of who I was in university, you know, these layers that were maybe added on kind of superficially or, you know, like a people-pleasing type way that I, I came back and it was just me and that was, it was just me and um, <laughs> my boyfriend was still there, that was that was nice because we're married now and we have a baby but <laughs> like <laughs> yeah I think it was just I don't know I don't I don't think I had like an eye-opening experience but it I was happy to be by myself and I think I've and more so enjoyed being myself so so much more slash enjoyed traveling with people and you know trying to be the best that I can be as a travel companion because being by yourself it does it does a lot for you you know consciously subconsciously my biggest takeaway is probably i am mags i am an explorer i have something to learn people are good god is good life is good and that you can always pay off your credit cards true very true so what about yours yeah i definitely think it changed me too like i think to truly live somewhere else and like spend time on your own without the security of the people that you've known your whole life to kind of define you would change anyone it just teaches you a lot about your own identity and i think it goes like gives you such a broader perspective on how different but also how similar other areas of the world are on a personal level i think my biggest takeaway is just like the importance of going with the flow not always having a plan i was really flying by the seat of my pants for 99 percent of that trip (laughs) and it brought me some of like the best experiences of my life and like it also brought me a lot of hard experiences too I learned that like most people in this world are kind and you can really find like-minded people everywhere and I had so many great conversations made so many friends just because I said yes to going to dinner with someone I didn't know or things like that you don't do that when you're traveling with other people because you're not like looking for that companionship you've kind of brought that companionship with you and it's just a very different experience to hear other people's stories 
and I think it also too going back like to, to one of the earlier earliest episodes about me and selfishness about you know in in your 20s you should be doing mm-hmm. that you know and it's very me 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 but when you solo travel yeah it's about you but I don't know if you get sick of you or you're okay me is done so now now I, I can put myself towards other people in a way that is a little bit more substantial or a little more wholesome yeah does that make sense well and i think there's something about traveling alone that like you're meeting people and you're forming these friendships but a lot of them are very temporary friends for like moment kind of people Mm -hmm. but like you may never speak to again but i think there's also something that is very different about that in comparison to the friends that you have at home where you know you feel that obligation when your friend asks you to get dinner and maybe you don't really want to get dinner that night but you're gonna go because it's your friend and it's they're having a bad week or like whatever the case may be when you're traveling you're constantly looking for that companionship because I think we're always looking for companionship you're not owing it to anybody but yourself to have those experiences it's very like main main character energy it is yeah i was just (laughs) gonna say that the way that you're talking about it really reminds me of friends and family you have at home they're like your your staple food but when you solo travel you get to you get to enjoy these delicacies and you don't want to eat caviar every day three times a day you know you want it for one special meal and the experiences that you you have on your solo travels and the people that you meet they're like these like little bits of delicacies that just a little bit is just enough yeah i totally agree well, yeah, I think that kind of wraps up our, I feel like there's, Kim and I also traveled together, which maybe we'll cover that in an episode because that too was hilarious. Yeah. But this does lead us into the final segment of the show. So now it's time for the Philomath segment. Today, we're talking about the OG webcam. Do you know anything about the OG webcam? No, I only know my OG webcam was terrible. <laughs> As were all OG webcams. There was a time in 2005 where like, if you weren't webcamming, what were you really doing? Yeah. So this is like three years before we're born, 1991. Basically, you're at the University of Cambridge in the UK, which like side story. One time I was in Cambridge, England. And I was at the Botanical Gardens and I had posted a few photos at the Botanical Garden, the Royal Botanical Gardens of Cambridge. And so many people, I was, an, I was ashamed at how many people were like, where is this in Cambridge, Ontario? And I just like, you know, slapped my palm, palm slap, face palm. Slap, what is that? The, yeah. So I was like, OK. Yeah. So, anyway, so this is what we're talking about in, in the UK. Basically, you have a bunch of computer researchers. The one thing that all, you know, you have this enormous building, this is all the all these like tech advancements are happening. And the one thing that every single member on every single team was using was the coffee machine. <laughs> they say that, you know, like the one thing that's very, 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 very important to any kind of computer science research is a regular and dependable flow of caffeine. Now, the big issue and like, you know, what's that quote? It's like necessity is the mother of invention. Well, this literally could not hold more true because the problem for scientists was not computer related. Instead, it was that the coffee pot was stationed in this room known as like the Trojan room. 
and oh my god stop yeah okay i, I can tell where this is yes going. what a bunch of computer nerds did yeah and so because everybody's working on different floors and different labs you have one place where there's where there's coffee which makes sense because like even like i worked in scientific labs you're not allowed to have food and drink in there so i can only imagine in like computer labs the same thing probably goes so there's like one common area where you would have this the issue was all times of the day and night people would turn up to get some coffee from this pot and then it was empty and they were not happy about it so basically research scientist dr paul jardetsky rigged a camera to monitor the trojan room coffee pot and it would grab images three times a minute And they basically wrote software that would allow researchers in the department to run the images from the camera on their internal computer networks, okay? And this is like, think of it, the the World Wide Web is not necessarily a thing that people, unless you were in computer science, it wasn't really something that in the early 90s you were getting a grasp of. That's basically how they created it. And it removed this like need for any like physical effort to check up on that coffee pot (laughs) slash the emotional distress of showing up and it was empty it hit the the world wide web on november 22nd 1993 when dr martin johnson was not connected to any of like the internal computer networks at the cambridge lab and he was like somewhere else and so he was like okay but i want to be able to see the coffee pot because he was literally procrastinating from something else he was doing and he just was like oh i kind of want to see how the coffee pot is doing and so basically he'd been studying the capabilities of the web and like upon investigating the code he was like you know what i bet i can just run a little script and around like the captured images and so the way he talks about it is that the first version it was about 12 lines of code and it simply copied the most recent image to the requester whenever it was asked for. So like if you were outside of those network of computers, you would run this code and it would just basically request the images. And so then that's literally the invention of the first webcam. What ended up actually happening is that word got out and like literally before long, millions and millions of tech enthusiasts, enthusiasts from around the world we're trying to access the images of the Trojan Room coffee pot. The One of the professors working there, he, he mentions how he remembers receiving emails from Japan asking if a light could be left on overnight so that the pot could be, could be seen in different time zones. I think that was so, like, so That's sweet. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I feel like a lot of tech inventions kind of have, like, similar stories to that where, like, there's some really like dumb reason that people wanted it and then it ended up blowing and up into something and then it spirals into something that like we literally like think of like facetime and stuff today like it's exactly such a, like, staple of everyday living and especially for people that are long distance and traveling and are like far from home like i know i really relied on being able to facetime and skype and like that kind of stuff with people yeah that's exactly um, you took the words out of my mouth right that was exactly the the perfect time is that with without a pot of coffee you wouldn't be as connected with your friends and family at home to make that solo traveling all the easier. Crazy. <laughs> Anyways, so that <laughs> completes episode 12 of the At Wits End podcast at World's End Solo. And if you're not already, follow us on Instagram at At Wits End Podcast. That's at A T W H I T S E N D P O D C A S T. <laughs> 
Kathy. <laughs> and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review and tell us how much you love us and please, please, nothing please. less than that, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye-bye now. Bye.